Good morning. Grace and peace to you. Thank you, Dawn, for the songs. I know that my Redeemer lives. Do you know that? Just want to talk this morning. Sometimes it's good to talk. This is our uh, fourth and wrap-up lesson, as I call it, from 1 John. The previous three Sundays, we talked about the reasons John, uh, John puts in his letter, the reasons he's written First John. And there's four reasons he put in there. The first one were these things, and we styled them hashtag because in those today we might tweet them out. John didn't have that to him, so he wrote a letter. The first one was joy, that your joy may be full. The second one was that you not sin. And last week we talked about how many deceivers had gone out and false prophets had gone out into the world. And today we talk about eternal life. But let's start in 1 John 5. We, we've looked at this scripture, I think, three times now, 18. As John is wrapping up the letter, and I encourage you again to take the letter and read it. It won't take you that long. You may want to read it three or four times to let it sink in. John wants us to know. Okay? Not be swayed by deceivers. Not to be worried about troubles, temptations, problems that come our way. John wants us to know that faith is rooted and grounded in this knowledge of him. We know that no one who is born of God sins. We talked about that. That means about continuing in a sin. Some condition that is contrary to the person of Christ. But he who was born of God keeps him, and the evil one does not touch him, as long as we're in Christ. We know that we are of God. Do you know that? Are you of God? Or are you of yourself? John is trying to get his readers to look at themselves so they know these things. When that the whole world lies in the power of the evil one, nothing good in the world. Do we know that? Nothing good. And we know that the Son of God has come and has given us understanding so we may know him who is true and we are in him who is true in his Son, Jesus Christ. This is the true God and eternal life. Do we understand that? There's only one true God Jesus Christ, in him is eternal life. We can know him. John is writing to Christians who are in Christ. They have faith in Christ. They've turned from the world. They've been baptized into Christ. and Raised out of the water to receive that new life gift of the Spirit. He's wanting to encourage them, kind of like Revelation, where those churches needed encouraged because of all 
the opposition that was going to come. Well, there's opposition now against these Christians. There always has been, and there always will be. The word no, or derivatives thereof, is used 40 times in 1 John. 40 times. It gives you the idea he wants us to know. We said last time, do you know that what you know is really true? Do you know that? This is what John is trying to get us to see. What is the truth? Today's lesson, 1 John 5, 13, why does John write? Again, it's kind of pulling all these things together. Your joy may be full, don't sin, don't be deceived. These things I have written to you who believe in the name of the Son of God. There it is. This is who he's written, writing to. Not unbelievers, not people out in the world. You believe in the name of the Son of God. You're a Christian. So that you may know that you have eternal life. Let me say that again so that you may know that you have eternal life. Do you know that? Do you personally have any doubts that you have eternal life right now? John says we can know. That's why he's writing. Evidently, it's possible to know, right? He's writing so we can know. So evidently, it's possible to know. You know some people argue you can, you can never know if you're saved. You ever hear anybody say that? You can never really know if you're saved, if you have eternal life. They never read 1 John, did they? What's your position? Do you know that for sure? Are you just guessing about it? You hope you have it? I hope I do. You think you do? Probably? Maybe? I'm pretty sure. What aren't you sure about? We're going to break it down. But you see, I can't do that for you. I can help you look. But you have got to do this yourself. Okay? You've got to do it yourself. Let's look first of all at this. God's desire is that all people should have eternal life. If God wants this, he's going to make it possible, right? If this is God's will, and we talked about this a little bit. 1 John 1, 1 to 3, and this was in our first lesson. What was from the beginning, what we have heard, what we have seen with our eyes, what we have looked at and touched with our hands concerning the word of life. The we there, I think he's probably referring to the apostles, the early disciples at least, who saw Jesus, were with Jesus, who walked with Jesus. The life was manifested. We have seen and testified and proclaimed to you the eternal life. I think we said that could well be capitalized. That is a direct reference to Jesus Christ, the eternal life. 
life is in him, and only eternal life comes through him and by him, which was with the Father and was manifest or revealed to us in the person of Christ Jesus. What we have seen and heard we proclaim to you also, so you too may have fellowship with us, and indeed our fellowship is with the Father and with his Son, Jesus Christ. We have this fellowship. It's not just about a relationship, it's about a fellowship, a joint sharing of life and of all the purposes of God being made in the image of God, becoming like God, walking like Christ. We have fellowship through Jesus Christ. And then he goes on to say these things, he writes that our joy may be made complete, or your joy may be complete, depending upon the translation. John is saying it was all real. God caused it. It happened. We touched. We talked. We saw. We heard this eternal life, Christ Jesus. He was here. It's not a myth. It's not a story. It's history. Let's go back quickly to John 12. I love this passage of Scripture. This is one of the commandments that we often overlook. And I know it's specifically to his son, but it's also to us, and it kind of fits with the gospel. John 12, 49. Jesus speaking says, For I did not speak on my own initiative, but the Father himself who sent me has given me a commandment as to what to say and what to speak. And we know Jesus said, I don't do anything except the Father directs me. And we should really be doing the same. I know that his commandment is eternal life. Therefore, the things I speak, I speak just as the Father has told me. You know, this is what the Father is telling the Son. I want the humanity, I want the human race to have eternal life. And you're going to be the one through whom it comes. In regard to the gospel, this should be our thought. We're told to go proclaim the gospel into all the world, right? I want people to have eternal life. And you have the message. You have the message of eternal life. I want you to go out there and tell people. It's available. You can have it in Christ. You can overcome sin. You can overcome death. You can overcome the devil. You can be free in Christ and have life eternal. Remember, uh, Peter writes, it was the will of God that not any should perish. You can read this all through Scripture. Eternal life is God's commandment. And then 1 John 2.25, we already mentioned this. This is the promise which he himself made to us, eternal life. A promise. You know, when God speaks something, it comes to pass, right? We see that. We know that. When he speaks, he cannot lie. But when he makes a promise, wow, he's going to keep it, right? This is his promise to us. God will not go back on that promise. He will not go back on his word. He cannot go back on his word. He wants you, he wants you to have eternal life. That's what he wants. 
He wants your spouse to have eternal life. He wants your children to have eternal life. He wants your grandchildren to have eternal life. He wants your neighbors to have eternal life. He wants your co-workers to have eternal life. This is the promise of God, and it's the commandment of God. That's what this is all about. Overcoming the devil, not dying, enduring the second death, as we're studying in Revelation, but going on into eternity for life. God is about life, not death. God is about life, not death. Okay. What can keep us from having eternal life? Only one thing. Sin. Right? The only thing. Sin. And so we can recognize it. It is clearly defined for us in Scripture in different ways. Okay? God is not hiding, he's not playing a game with us, he's not, you know, going to change the rules at the last minute, he's not making this hard on us. And John deals with this. Basically two things. Of course, we've already seen you need to be in Christ Jesus, okay? He's writing to those who are in Christ. That's the beginning, and we'll, we'll look at that here in just a little bit. Two things, and we've touched on them. First of all, sin is not living righteously. 1 John 2.29 If you know that he is righteous, which we do, Christ lived a righteous life, you know that everyone also who practices righteousness is born of him. Righteous living. That's one of the first tests to look at our lives, to ask ourselves, am I living righteously? This is no time to play a game with God. If you play games with God, you'll never answer the question if you have eternal life. If you're not honest with yourself, you can never answer the question if you have eternal life. You must be absolutely true and honest with yourself. Because you can know. That's what John is saying. You can know. Are you living a righteous life? I got Galatians 5 there. Let's turn back there real quick. That's works of the flesh. Okay. Uh, 5.19. Deeds of the flesh are evident. Immorality, impurity, sensuality, living by the senses, idolatry, sorcery, enmity, strife, jealousy, outbursts of anger, disputes, dissensions, factions, envying, drunkenness, carousing, and things like these. And we read other places. You know, this is not an exhaustive list. You've got to be honest with yourself. Just as I forewarned you that those who practice such things will not inherit the kingdom of God. There's that word practice again. Are you a habitual envier? Are you greedy? You know, most of us are not caught up in some of these other things, but what drives your boat? Where is your treasure? Where is your heart? 
Then we have the fruit of the Spirit, starting in verse 22. Love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. Against such there is no law. Do these characterize your life? Be honest. I know it can be a little discomforting, can it? But John says you can know, but you've got to be honest. Are you living a righteous life? The purpose of your life, 24. Now those who belong to Christ Jesus have crucified the flesh with its passions and desires. I no longer want to live for the flesh, for the passions of the body. If we live by the Spirit, let us also walk by the Spirit. You're walking by the Spirit. Are you following the Word of God? Okay, we could go into depth on that, but you know, there it is. There it is. Second thing, sin is not loving your brother. This kind of expands on this, but John brings this up. So he feels it's very important, and it's telltale about relationships with one another. 1 John 3.14 We know that we have passed out of death into life because we love the brethren. We know. I just read it. You know, I just didn't say it. I read it. You know, this isn't that little nice, cute little feeling, oh yeah, I love sister so-and-so. But do you really love sister so-and-so? Sister so-and-so is down and out. Would you help her? He who does not love, he who does not love abides in death. Wow, that is a telling sentence. Be honest. I'm not trying to indict anyone. I'm just taking John's words. Every once in a while we need to look at ourselves, don't we? Everyone who hates his brother is a murderer, and we know that no murderer has eternal life abiding in him. We know love by this, that he laid down his life for us. See, love is an action. It can be a sacrificial action. Action of doing something for someone that they really need, even if it costs you. That's what love is. Some of us don't like that definition, but that's what love is. We know love. We know there's a word, love by this, that he laid down his life for us. That is love, you see? And we'll go that far. Because, and he says, we ought to lay down our lives for the brethren. We ought to, if there's that need. Hmm. But whoever has the world's goods and sees his brother in need and closes his heart against him, how does the love of God abide in him? 
I had this thought, you know, we, we help folks out from time to time if the need arise, but I had this thought, okay? And I've done this, all right, so I'm indicting Jeff. But we have, like Don went, announcements this morning, all right? Sunday evening, or Sunday night, sometimes Wednesday night. People want prayers. You know, whether it's illness, lost their job, struggles with uh, sin, struggles in the family, whatever it is. People want prayers. How many of us pray for those people when they specifically ask for your prayers? Just ask them. And if you don't pray for them, what does that say about your love for them? What do you think? They want us to pray, but we don't pray. We don't even bring a pad to write down the names of people who want prayers. We just walk out the door. I've done it. I'm just making us look at ourselves. Do we love one another? Do we believe in prayer? That it affects anything? It's not difficult to see. It's all there. We've got to take the time to do it, to do the introspection. We can know. We can know. Okay. Last thought. Let's go to 1 John 1. Sin is a problem. If we have sin, we need to get rid of it. Okay? If we do sin, we, we looked at this. Here's a great blessing. Okay? We've got to be honest with God. This is all about being honest with God so we can know. 1 John 1, 7. If we sin, God has provided a remedy. Just like he provided the remedy to begin with in Christ Jesus, we can be freed from sin, the power of the devil, and so forth, and become in him and receive his righteousness, but we still must walk in the Spirit and walk like him, right? If we walk in the light as he is himself is in the light, we have fellowship with one another, and the blood of Jesus, his Son, cleanses us from all sin, 1 John 1, 7. There it is. There it is. Some people worry that the blood of Jesus doesn't cleanse them from all sin. You believe the word of God or not? What's in you that doesn't allow you to believe the word of God? You've got to deal with it. If we say we had no sin, we are deceiving ourselves and the truth is not in us. If we confess our sins, he is faithful and righteous to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. But you see, you've got to see them and you've got to confess them. You've got to do that. And I, I'm, I'm going to say that that does not just mean coming here on Sunday morning and listen to somebody lead a prayer that says, forgive us of our sins. You've got to do this personally with God. Look at yourself, and when you sin, when you recognize sin, 
You've got to bring it to the Father. This is between you and him. That's the only way you can know, right? That's the only way you can know. This is about being in fellowship with God. If we say that we have not sinned, we make him a liar. His word is not in us. My little children, you know, sometimes the chapter divisions are not good. This continues the thought. My little children, I'm writing these things to you so that you may not sin. That was our second lesson. And if anyone sins, we have an advocate with the Father, Jesus Christ the righteous. We have help. There it is. All right? He's made that provision for us. He himself is a propitiation for our sins and not for ours only, but also for the whole world. There it is. He takes care of our sin, but we've got to confess them. We've got to continue to walk in him. We can have eternal life. Because Jesus deals with sin. The question is, do you do this? All right, we're going to suggest four reasons why you might have doubts about eternal life. And then we're going to wrap it up. We said you have to be honest with yourself. First thought. Some people are still holding on to something from their past. They're straddling the fence. They're trying to serve two masters. And oftentimes it's you. You are the second master besides the Lord. There are still things in your life that you want more than you want Christ Jesus. I can't answer that. I can only answer that for me. That's why there are so many disappointed, uh, namby-pamby, struggling Christians, because they're not all in for Christ. They're still holding back. They're still holding off. There's something they don't want to give up. That's probably the biggest reason and the one that we all need to deal with. Second one, they don't understand grace and the cross. Still trying to earn their salvation. Yeah, we talked about righteous living, yeah, but that's only because we're serving the Lord and trying to do what he wants. It's not earning our salvation. We don't understand that, that gift, the propitiation, the blood, the coming of God to save us. I think this is a particular problem with men. Because, you know, we're the, we're the guys. You know, we're the leaders. We're the strong ones. And while to think that we need somebody to help us be saved, wow, my goodness. We won't humble ourselves, you see. The third thought, and again, this goes with the second. There's still some, in some way, trying to earn their salvation. They think they're good enough. And number four, too proud to confess their sins. Too embarrassed. What would people think? What would God think? God knows. But we just won't do it. We won't look at ourselves. Examine your heart. 
1 John 3.18. Little children, let us not love with word or with tongue, but in deed and truth. You can't just say it. You can't just say it. You know, the husband says, honey, I love you and the kids. He's never around. He's always out running with the boys and getting drunk on the weekends. I'm sorry. He does not love his wife and kids, no matter how much she protests. We will know by this. Listen. We will know by this that we are of the truth and will assure our heart before him. See, there's, there's where we have the struggle in the heart, isn't it, in the conscience. Gee, I don't know. Gee, I don't know. In whatever our heart condemns us. That's why I say you've got to be honest with yourself. Is there anything in your heart that's condemning you right now? You know it's wrong. Or you know you're not doing what you should. You just leave that. You don't deal with it. You don't confess it. You don't try to change it. Guess what? Your heart is condemning you. And what's he say? For God is greater than our heart and knows all things. God knows that. Beloved, if our heart does not condemn us, we have Confidence before God. Wow. A clear conscience. We can only have a clear conscience if we're honest with ourselves before God. Look at our lives in light of Scripture. Confess our sins. Say, Lord, help me to do better. You know, to say it's it's pretty simple plan. When we sin, you know, Christ takes care of our sin, but we got to confess it. It's not easy to do, right? It's not easy to live and to be righteous and let the Spirit bear His fruit in us all the time, but it's the expectation. But when we don't, God takes care of us. These things I've written to you who believe in the name of the Son of God so that you may know that you have eternal life. Do you know? Don't know how to wrap this up. I know it's... uh, We all feel guilty about certain things. I understand that. Are you practicing something you should not? Are you doing something you know is not right? Are you withholding your love from somebody for some selfish reason? I don't know. If your heart is condemning you for something, you really need to take care of that. Maybe you want to do that this morning. We'll be glad to pray with you. Take the time. 
I've said it if I've said it once, I've said it a thousand times. Read the book regularly, daily, study it, read it through cover to cover, and continue to do that. You'll learn more and more about what God wants you to be. You can know. You can know. And certainly, if you're not in Christ, you've never been baptized into Christ, accepted him as Lord and Savior, you do not know you have eternal life. You do not. It's that simple. You want to respond this morning? Mike got the baptistry fixed. Praise the Lord. Thank you, Mike. He's in the back. And we can help you with that. So if you want to respond this morning, please come while we stand and sing.